we have some core research facilities, which is, of course, the climatic aerodynamic wind tunnel, but we also have a large climatic chamber. We have a smaller climatic chamber. We have another climatic structural durability, which we call a four-poster. And then we have a hemi-anechoic, which is a semi-soundproofed chamber that actually has a multi-axis simulation table. So we can go from being in the wind to riding the hardest rails or simulating flight in all weather conditions, the severe weather conditions, in fact. So we really are addressing a lot of that energy and climate change issues for advanced development, product development, and of course... Hello and welcome to another episode of Making It in Ontario, the official podcast of the Trillium Network for Advanced Manufacturing. I'm your host, Nick Persichilli, and in this episode, I speak with John Komar and Paula Ambra from the Automotive Center of Excellence, or ACE, at Ontario Tech University. John's the executive director of ACE and a returning guest. Remember him from last December's APMA conference? And Paula is ACE's project manager for Project Aero, the APMA's all-Canadian concept electric vehicle. We first learned about Ontario Tech University's advanced wind tunnel in our last conversation with John. That first chat only lasted about 10 minutes in total, but it was enough to pique my interest, so I asked to chat with him again. And this time, he also brought Paula. Now, first off, let's get the name right. John runs Ontario Tech University's $120 million climatic aerodynamic wind tunnel. But the truth is, it's more than just that. To explain what I mean, let me shift gears for a moment and discuss in a very general sense the next generation of vehicles. Now, these vehicles will need to be more energy efficient, lighter and safer than anything we've ever made. And that's fine. The auto industry is no stranger to innovation. But what's different in 2022 is that improvements on these and other fronts will likely not be realized in singular chunks. Or to put it another way, if a vehicle manufacturer is looking for, let's say, a 5% improvement in fuel efficiency, That 5% increase will not come from a singular improvement, but from an amalgamation of several efficiencies. Finding those efficiencies, those micro-efficiencies, requires state-of-the-art testing capabilities. The same kinds found at ACE. See, it's no longer enough to put a static vehicle in a wind tunnel and blow air over it. That kind of testing is what John calls low-hanging fruit. To find additional aerodynamic efficiencies, you need to more accurately replicate the conditions of a vehicle driving along the road. See, the behavior of air as it moves along the undercarriage of a vehicle, an area of testing that John, by the way, calls the final frontier, changes between a static floor and a moving floor. So they put a moving floor in the wind tunnel. John and Paula explain why that is far better than I can, and you'll hear them do so in a minute. And speaking of things you'll hear, another type of testing they do at ACE is acoustic testing. In addition to testing the aerodynamic performance of vehicles, the ACE facility also listens to what a vehicle sounds like driving at speed. Why? Because sound takes energy to make. If a vehicle makes a sound, that's energy not being put to use for something else like, oh, I don't know, propulsion. And as an audio engineer, I was almost ashamed that I had to have that explained to me. But possibly the most compelling thing about ACE is that this testing, which was once only available to the most well-funded companies with large R&D budgets, is available to everyone at an hourly rate. Now, you're not going to rent it for an hour, but you get what I'm saying. The next generation of testing, helping build the next generation of vehicles in one of the most innovative advanced manufacturing ecosystems in the world, will certainly help ensure that we can keep on making it in Ontario. There you go, and now we're recording. 
and we are back with an old new friend, Mr. <laughs> Mr. John Komar from Ontario Tech University and the ACE Wind Tunnel. And, and uh, John, you brought a friend with you, haven't you? Uh, I, I brought a, uh, I brought the assistant chief engineer for uh, Project Era with us. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> So why don't we start with some uh, 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 protracted introductions, John? Uh, for those of us who, or for those of, uh, for those people who haven't heard you on our previous episode, why don't you give us a quick introduction to yourself, to Ace, and then to your colleague? Oh, that's a big ticket. So my name is John Comar. I'm executive director here at Ontario Tech University. ACE. And ACE stands for Automotive Center of Excellence, but in fact is more than automotive. So we're a solutions provider, a very trusted solutions provider that drives innovation. And I have with me today, Paula Ambra, Assistant Chief Engineer for Aero. Paula? Hi, good morning. I'm very happy to be here joining you guys today. Uh, so as John said, my name is Paula Ambra, and uh, currently I'm acting as the assistant chief engineer for an amazing uh, initiative here in Canada called Project Arrow. So very excited to uh, talk more about it shortly. Fantastic. Thanks to both of you for taking the time today to talk with me. And John, thanks for taking the time again to chat with me. Yeah, no problem. So, so John, uh, let's, let's do a real quick review for those of us who haven't heard the previous episode. Tell us a little bit about... ACE, Ontario Tech University, and what's happening in your, not just a wind tunnel, but a climactic wind tunnel, correct? Yes, I actually, I'm going to correct you right off the bat, and we're going to call it a climactic aerodynamic wind tunnel, because that's a new enhanced capability that we are launching uh, as we speak, actually. So uh, it is a one-of-a-kind facility in the world. It is not only a wind tunnel, but it also has other climate chambers and structural durabilities. But I really want to emphasize uh, ACE, Automotive Center Excellence, but we refer to ACE because it is more than a facility. It's a solutions provider. It's a trusted solutions provider that drives a lot of innovation. And it's available. It's a $125 million facility that is expertly equipped with staff and available to everyone. It's a $125 million facility, available to everyone. And I don't think I've really, our, our, our philosophy is how can we make it happen? So in fact, we're, I don't like to say automotive all the time because in fact, it's, it's an energy issue, but it's automotive mobility. It is also uh, human factors, architectural and civil work, as well as defense and aerospace. So those are kind of the big buckets that, uh, fall under our purview here at ACE. I imagine that the conversation around the automotive work you guys are doing could probably be the entire episode, and rightly so. But I want to spend a little time, actually, I want to spend as much time as we can talking about some of that other stuff, because we will get to Project Arrow and automotive. I, we can't not talk about it, and I, and I want to. But if you could, Tell us a little bit about some of the other work outside of automotive that, and as I recall, you said that this kind of uh, technology hasn't really been available to a lot of other, especially SMEs, uh, really ever before, has it? No, because we're talking large investments, right? So if you're a small startup, literally a startup or a student that wants to start a company up, or you really don't have $100 million in your pocket. And to do what we do in our, and we'll talk about that later, we in fact uh, have probably the Swiss Army knife of, of wind tunnels. In fact, normally 
you'd have about $300 million worth of investment, but we're, we're quite innovative on, on, on how we use our tunnel. So in effect, if you only need to do a product development on something once a year or maybe once every three years or 40 hours or 24 or only eight hours, you certainly wouldn't invest $100 million. Large, very large conglomerate, large equipment manufacturers, they all have some of these tools and they're very specific but, and they're very well used. However, they don't share unless it's going to benefit them. So in fact, Ontario Tech University here provides a third-party technical option. So a technical tool in Canada's toolbox that's available to everyone at a very competitive price. So I was doing a little bit of research and I was looking at your website, obviously. And um, I was looking at the different chambers that you guys have. You guys have, was it four or five separate types of testing chambers? Is that correct? Yes. So what I'll do is um, what we have here at ACE in terms of the facilities is we have some core research facilities, which is, of course, the climatic aerodynamic wind tunnel. But we also have a large climatic chamber. We have a smaller climatic chamber. We have another climatic structural durability, which we call a four poster. And then we have a hemi-anechoic, which is a, a semi-soundproofed chamber that actually has a multi-axis simulation table. So we can go from being in the wind to riding the hardest rails or, you know, simulating flight in all weather conditions, in severe weather conditions, in fact. So we really are addressing a lot of that energy and climate change issues for advanced development, product development, and of course, you know, advanced mobility because everything's got to work in all weathers, right? Let's, let's geek out a bit. Tell us a little bit more about what you can about the different types of testing. What, what kind of data can you gather from those different chambers? That, that's a great question. So I'm going to, I'm going to take a look uh, at mobility. So, uh, and uh, I'll take a look at mobility and first off the, um, the, uh, the wind tunnel. We are probably the most exciting times in mobility. I mean, just in the next two years, there's going to be a hundred new models of EVs coming from electric vehicles coming from big OEMs and startups and, and, and innovators. So this is a very exciting time for mobility. So when you look at battery, and we also do hydrogen, um, uh, hydrogen fuel cell work is here as well, which is essentially an electric vehicle. It's energy. How do you get the most out of the energy that's available and is stored, and how do you release it? So why is aerodynamics so important? Because aerodynamics can be one-third of the energy used to propel a vehicle. And when you get over speeds of 80 or 100 kilometers, it's up to 50% of all that energy is just to get past the wind resistance. So maximizing the aerodynamics on vehicles is very important. So it's no longer a, an idea of function. It's it, it, because, you know, or, or styling, it, it's essential. And of course, styling enters it, but uh, aerodynamics is playing a, a large role. And now what we have to do is find out the low-hanging fruit. The high-hanging fruit is all there. Everybody knows what an SUV looks like and a sedan and, and, and a pickup. And really, if you're not in the automotive world, you really couldn't tell. If you had a shadow of it, you'd have to be very good. You'd have to be somebody like Paula that could recognize this manufacturer from the rest. However, the low-hanging fruit means if I want to make 
one mile per gallon difference, I've got to make a, a, a complete drag point difference, which means it might be 20 ideas of a half percent improvement. And therefore the technology required to measure such small improvements to know that you made an improvements requires a lot of advanced technology. And that's where, where we come in. On top of that, the climatic side and the climate change is that everything has to work in all weather. So we have a thousand horsepower dynamometer or a roller or a treadmill, so to speak, and not to be confused with the rolling road. I'll explain the difference later, but it allows a fully energized vehicle, whether it's internal combustion or electric or hybrid or fuel cell to run as if it was running on the road. And except it's getting the exact wind as well as road resistance. So we can develop all the elements of heat management, of power, propulsion, aerodynamics, and acoustics. And as we move into electric vehicles, acoustics are critical because quality is associated with quietness. And aerodynamics is the loudest noise you're gonna find at highway speeds. So we're addressing all those mobility issues, but on top of that, this same tunnel has wireless capabilities. So we can actually have the, you know, the global navigations, we can have a GPS, we can, we can spoof LIDAR, radar in all weather conditions. On top of that, we also use it for that interaction of a vehicle to the infrastructure. So we have developed smart intersections for vulnerable users. So in fact, what we can do is have a vehicle and a cyclist and an intersection and have obstacles and have all those scenarios done in a very scientific, precise and exact and repeatable and repeated motion so that we can do the advancement of mobility. So again, it's fundamental physics we're working in, but now we're moving into the advanced technology, which requires a lot of interaction, a lot of electronics, a lot of software, and that whole interconnectivity of mobility to the outside world. Now, that, that doesn't end. One more, one more. We also develop the charging infrastructure here. Generally, we're talking about at home, but we're talking about 25 kilowatts, 50 kilowatts, 75 kilowatts. We've done 150 kilowatts. We're moving to 300 kilowatts. Wouldn't it be great to charge your electric vehicle and have it be charged in less than five minutes? Isn't that where we want to be? So these are the kinds of advanced technologies. And on top of that, we look at how we can implement it and then store the energy out of these vehicles when they're not used and put it back in our grid. So it's bi-directional. So these are the kinds of things we do in the wind tunnel and some other chambers. So the wind tunnel provides is, it, is really a gateway, brings a lot of people in, but it, 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 it isn't necessarily the other chambers, in fact, can provide a lot of complementary or a lot of, uh, of great work as well. So I answered your mobility question. I'm going to talk about some of the other products. Architectural and civil. We have a very large wind tunnel, 14 meters in, in length, and we can actually develop a windstorm and a, and, and, and a snowstorm at a click of a button. We can provide accumulating snow, wind, rain, sleet, and I guess today we're going to see some freezing rain, but we can exactly duplicate it, whether it's rime ice uh, or, or slushy ice or clear ice. And we've had full sections of buildings that are looking to mitigate 
the problems you have with ice shedding or snow shedding on tall skyscrapers. So some of these, these, these developments we do have portions of buildings where we develop and put snow loads on and the melting or the diversions or all those things so those people on the, on the streets don't get ice shedding down on the road. So in fact, we work a lot with extreme climate on that. So in an architectural civil, we tend to do a lot of climate change type development. Defense and aerospace, we are a low-speed tunnel. We're, we only go up to about 270 kilometers an hour, and yes, that's low speed in aerodynamics. But we do have that climatic side, so we can provide that takeoff and landing. And our big focus that we have here is what I call precipitation characterization. So when you ask for snow, I'll say what kind of snow. Is it light snow? Is it heavy snow? Is it rime? Is it slush? Is it fog? Is it ice fog? Is it, you know, is it sleet? Is it drizzle? Is it a large drop? What are we, what are we trying to discover? What are we trying to mitigate against? So product development, I've had a small SME from Barry. They were developing, they wanted wind resistance and, and resiliency for their quick doors, very large industrial doors. And we helped them develop, design, and assist them in understanding their product. And from there, they could understand where they wanted to be or where they wanted, thought they should be or where they can go. So we can help with the engineering and development. So we're not out to here to make money. We're here to help that Canadian economy get science off the shelf and on, onto the road, into the market. You said something that I think will resonate with every single Formula One fan who happens to listen to this, and that was the idea of those tiny incremental improvements. Yes. Any fan of Ferrari will tell you that aerodynamics is very important. You can either add 10 horsepower to your engine, or you could remove 10 horsepower's worth of drag. It's the same thing. So the idea, uh, and this is kind of what I would love, and, and thank you for providing all of that incredible stuff that you're doing. The, the point I want to make is it sounds to me like what was once available to Formula One teams like Ferrari in finding those tiny little incremental improvements in aerodynamics is now available to SMEs, building designers, and all of the other people that you mentioned in your thing. It's available. I think the better way of saying is it's available to everyone. Yes. Yes. To all markets. Yeah. And I, I think that's absolutely fantastic. Now, Paula, I, you're there, right? I, I can't actually see you right now, but you're there. There you are. Okay. There I am. Oh, sorry. Here I am. Hi. <laughs> so with that, now that we've got a really good understanding of, I'm not even going to say the ACE wind tunnel anymore, of what ACE can do. Let's talk a little bit now about Project Arrow in, in specific, but also sort of like testing of electric vehicles in specific uh, or in general. Because what you, what you said, John, and this is, this is sort of me kind of just, you, you piqued my, my, uh, my, my physics interest. You mentioned a few things, like number one was rolling resistance, yeah. which is important. And the other one too was the, uh, the, uh, the question of a boundary layer of air flowing as a vehicle drives so uh, john paula i whichever one of you wants to answer this you know take it at wherever you want tell us a little bit about some of the specific advantages of being able to test rolling resistance above a certain speed being able to test a boundary layer of air moving at a certain speed tell let's geek out on that a bit there's really like i said before three ways of um 
there's the aerodynamics, there is the uh, thermal or power management, and there's acoustics. Acoustics. Anytime you hear noise, you're losing energy. So let's talk about the aerodynamics and what we call a moving ground plane or a rolling road. So we have just, we're recently just enhancing our wind tunnel with a very sophisticated moving ground plane or rolling road. It appears to look like a, a treadmill. It's not a treadmill. My goodness, if we, if we thumped and ran on that, we'd be out a quarter million dollars. It's very precise. It is where you roll a vehicle on and all the wheels are moving. And this is the advantage. So in a wind tunnel, we've always seen in the past the vehicle there, but the wheels weren't moving. So, and that was good for that low hanging fruit. It works. But what happens in a wind tunnel? And if you can imagine, we have a wind tunnel and our products have to sit on the ground. So the other sides of the nozzle that, that, that squirts out that wind doesn't get bound and, and is large enough so that the object inside sees the exact laminar flow as if you would be traveling with the vehicle moving and the air still. But the problem becomes on the ground because you can imagine as you roll some air across a surface, it starts to tumble. So it's not really duplicating what you really do see on the road. And it seems very, very simple, but it's taken you know 75 years to get to this point is that we are now having a rolling road. And this is very, very precise to get because we can measure the aerodynamics through the road. So in fact, we put a stainless steel belt and then what we do ahead of the vehicles, we scoop the wind first and, and take off that turbulence. But as soon as it leaves, it starts to grow again. So now what we've done is extended another area where we slowly in like a sieve, we pull down so it doesn't grow. And then it moves towards this uh, moving ground plane or this rolling road where in fact it can't grow because the wind is growing. So you keep the air of all this turbulence that you don't, don't normally see. So it's an exact physical simulation of a vehicle moving down the road. It's the best we can do in the world today. Why is this important? Because the new frontier is under the vehicle. So removing that boundary layer so that it better duplicates how a vehicle moves in the wind will provide more accurate development of aerodynamics and thermal management under the vehicle. So in fact, now it's seeing because really the new frontier is under because that's where the batteries are. That's where the cooling of the batteries are going to be. If you had something tumbling under the vehicle it and i'm going to give you an exaggeration it might move the vehicle so you're not really duplicating what the vehicle really sees on the road and you might come to the wrong conclusions or there might be so much variance in your air that you're saying i don't think it makes a difference so you need this very precise moving ground plane to get the best aerodynamics. The thermal management is a dynamometer, which is a rolling resistance. We literally strap the vehicle down. Yes, we do take some of the boundary layer. Up. I have, we haven't figured out how to do a rolling road dynamometer yet. This is the best we can do on that. And we can actually drive the vehicle under full power and full power management because thermal management, again, it all comes down to energy. How do I use energy? And then the third one becomes acoustics. 
And what we can do is roll this, uh, roll the air across the vehicle. And then we actually have some technology where we do a live video and it shows the hot spots. And the hot spots are where we're seeing the most noise and then you can address those noise issues. Prior to all these things, we have virtual technologies, you know, computational fluid dynamics and, and virtual ways of doing it. But this is where theory and virtual and pardon the pun, the, the rubber hits the road. So that's, that's how you use that, uh, that for an electric vehicle development or advanced vehicle development. And most importantly, is that advanced mobility systems for EVs and autonomous vehicles must work in all weather. So we can provide a snowstorm in July or we can desert heat in January. So in fact, we can develop, we can have four seasons in one day. So you're, you're moving your cycles from a year to a year and a half down to days. So now you can get, again, it's about getting science off the shelf and into the market. So it means now I can develop something for all weather in a matter of days instead of years. That's really significant and it's an advantage. A Formula One team would obviously have access to this readily and you would think, and you know what they're going to do with it. They're going to find those tiny little increments. The fact that this is available to our Ontario and I guess Canadian SMEs is phenomenal. Now let's, let's, let's dive in. Let's dive into project arrow now. So here we have the Canadian electric vehicle concept. And so let, let's, let's, let's talk about some of the work you guys are doing with, uh, with, um, with project arrow. So I'm going to introduce what we're at and I'll let Paula um, take over the really the nuts and bolts and the weeds of what we're doing here. But um, we have to all understand this is an um, uh, uh, APMA initiative led. Uh, we are a lead university with respect to uh, Project Arrow. And we are responsible for, at this point and moving forward, the actual virtual design into design into build, into building the vehicle. As well as we also uh, have our faculty and staff and students, undergrads and postgrads that are integrated. So we have a tremendous amount of intellectual and academic knowledge as well involved in the project. And, that, and so at undergrads and grads and, and Paula can, can uh, elaborate, we're also using this project in our education as well. So elements of the project are actually integrated into at least four courses now and even more as we move into the next area as well. So uh, it, there's a win-win scenario all, all on this because the university here is all about experiential. ACE is a place to get things done, is to actually move at the, at the pace of industry and that's why ACE is collaborating with the APMA from the academic standpoint. So I'll let Paula talk about what we're doing here. Yeah, and thanks, John. Uh, John has, has touched basically, you know, the majority of the points um, for ACE and our involvement. I'll just kind of, I'll step back sort of as our role has evolved, you know, we kicked off the uh, Project Arrow with the APMA uh, part, our APMA partners, we went, we got right in there from the RFP process. So we worked uh, and held tech reviews, you know, with the, uh, with all the SMEs that have, that have shown interest into the project. 
um, right through to the statement of work development. Um, and, and as John specifically said, uh, now we're gearing up to, uh, to my personal favorite part of the project, which is uh, the build phase. So we will be, you know, this is, this is going to be a real car. We can all see it, touch it, feel it. It will be a drivable concept vehicle. And that, uh, that exciting portion of the, of the project is, is ramping up to start here at the end of this summer uh, at ACE. So that's, that's kind of an overview of, of our involvement. So the, the build facility is ACE. Yes. We have a dedicated space and build and, of course, the resources and, uh, and, uh, and expertise. So it's a Canada-wide initiative. Um, but the, the basis of build is here at the university. And again, third party. So we're, we're, quote, bipartisan. That is fantastic to hear. So the actual, so where the rubber meets the road and where the wrench meets the bolts is <laughs> yeah. going to be at ACE. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the interesting part about this, and it's very, very important because there's a lot of Canadian technology here that I've, I've been really impressed with, to tell you the honest truth. Tell us with about respect- it. Yeah, the SMEs, and these are where I didn't realize how deep we are. We don't have our own car company, but we can make our own car, and I guess that's really the point of Project Arrow. However, some of the technology that is available, as well as we're looking at the advanced manufacturing, advanced design and development, Things like ice shedding, which is actually a, a collaborative project on a small SMB from Toronto that we're working with our uh, our own professor here and graduate students from a concept to a physical product that's on a vehicle that is going to be pretty innovative for some ice shedding. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna I'm gonna give you a little bit of a teaser on that one. But as well as we have, we also have. Uh, other companies um, for um, e-tractive now better frost i'm going to tell you the company was for some of some innovation on that on that technology e-tractive out of windsor is is a, uh, a, a an sme again and they're really taking the lead on the electrical and controls integration a very very big portion of some advanced new vehicles as well so that's kind of examples of some we have larger companies of course and we have some of these small innovative companies and in fact the the one company i was speaking with is is in fact a collaborative research project here at the university so bringing again science off the shelf and into the market. And this couldn't happen, again, without different kinds of government and support that is for industry, you know, with uh, OVIN or different government or federal types of grants that go directly to industry as well, that allow them to collaborate with universities so that we can take a, a, you know, a more broad and technical approach rather than trying to just do it all by yourself. So again, the government uh, grants that are available for some of these small SMEs to collaborate with university, to collaborate with ACE um, and with APMA is really advancing some of the uh, uh, advanced manufacturing techniques as well. This includes, you know, the you know 3D printing of large panels or or material science or the battery technologies. We have collaborations with advanced battery chemistries and things like that. So it um, 
partnering industry with academic and the APMs saw this, this, this huge leverage opportunity that in fact is going to be demonstrated in a real vehicle. I still can't get over the fact of that, that what you told me at the APMA conference that time, but this technology is available more or less by the hour. Yes. Yeah. We, we, we'd like to sell a little bit more than an hour. It's very difficult, but, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. Generally that that's what we're talking about, but most importantly is, is the, the pre-conversations, the engineering discussions or the technical discussions or the health science discussions. Um, again, the university here, Ontario tech, we have, it's tech with a conscience. So it's tech. How do we serve? How does technology help serve society? And we're doing our small little part of that in that corner in, in any market that we can find. And um, so that's, uh, that offers a lot of opportunity for different companies. And again, even researchers uh, across uh across the nation, actually across the world, because half of our business is actually, we don't have a brain drain, we attract, we don't know over $35 million worth of research and development in the last 10 years. And uh, almost half of that came from international coming to Canada, which is really, really uh, important because prior to this, every single one of those dollars was leaving Canada. So now we're, we're, we are actually, a destination of choice for technology. And that is really coming out and Project Arrow is bringing that as well in terms of electrification, mobility, energy, um, in, the, in, in, in software, autonomous, autonomous technologies. We are actually very, very strong corridor in Ontario, but across Canada, alternate, uh, alternate uh, fuels, fuel cell, electrification, microgrid, green energy, green hydrogen, all those elements are very, very important to have in Canada. One anecdotal fact I'll add yeah. there as it relates to Project Arrow, just from an interest perspective, uh, we had over 450 suppliers, as or small SMEs, some larger companies, express interest through the RFP process to be part of Project Arrow. So that just goes to show, you know, and again, this this covers companies across the coast from, you know, east all the way to the west coast and beyond. So just to, to sh demonstrate uh, that expression of interest in, in what we do. We're rounding the corner on time, so I want to be cognizant of that. I just have one last question for you. I noticed that on your website, you specify that you are prepared to work in the realities of COVID-19, specifically remotely. Absolutely. And I, I thought that was a really interesting section where you, you guys are actually tooled up to test remotely where it's like your clients, if they don't have to, they don't even have to be in the facility to monitor the results, view the results. Is that, is that correct? That's absolutely correct. Yeah. This comes again from being a trusted solutions provider. So you develop a relationship, you have to develop that trust that they will allow you into their technology conversations so that we and the expertise that is available here at the university and at ACE is trusted enough that we can do those things virtually and that we can be the avatars a lot of, in a lot of cases to their physical 
uh, development that's happening here in ACE. So we set up, you know, cameras and GoPros and different. Uh, so we, I must say we're getting better at it so that you can feel like you're here. A lot of times uh, we have it isn't necessarily what you would call ideal. However, it is it is another avenue that we're getting the job done. Um, so there's a lot of good things that have come out of this. You had asked earlier with respect to, you know, what ACE is in Ontario Tech. So if you don't mind, I wouldn't mind telling you some of the mission and vision that we're looking for here at ACE in Ontario Tech. So really, ACE's mission is a core research facility that advances academic and research mission of Ontario Tech University. It develops partners that are engaged in the university and ACE takes a leadership role in major industry, university and a broader public sector initiatives. Okay. And of course, uh, uh, what is kind of the gateway or, or, or uh, the stepping stone in is ACE and the wind tunnel, but ACE is a technical solutions provider that fosters education, research, development, innovation that is market driven and serves universities and industries, right? So really that is our mission. We want to be the world leader in terms of visioning out further. We want to be the world leader in what I call, and I told you this is, I'm, I'm gonna coin this phrase, climatic aerodynamics for both industry and academic. We want to be the key resource and enabler for talent development, teaching, experiment, uh, you know, experiential learning here at the university. So our graduates, say in fluid dynamics, actually spend time in the wind tunnel. ACE is to be recognized as on, you know, as Ontario Tech is a nimble lead, right? We can pivot for many industry collaborations and for nurturing lasting and engaged partnerships. Again, it comes down to nurturing, to get trusted, to advance further. And ACE to be Canada's core research facility that, again, delivers timely technical solutions to market-driven challenges in mobility, transportation, energy, climate change, and extreme environment. So it's not just being here. It's where we feel we need to be. And as a university, we need to be way ahead of that curve so that we can serve the technical community in the here and now. What you just said there reminded me a lot about what I've heard over the course of producing this podcast, which is the idea of silos, the silo mentality of research, the silo mentality of industry. There, there's a lot of phenomenal ideas that the person sitting six feet away from you has never heard of. I love the mission. I love what you guys are doing. And I think this is an absolute fantastic uh, asset and jewel in the crown of Ontario's research capabilities. And I want to thank you both for joining me today. Um, John, Paula, thank you so much. And when, if, if we had done this in person, yes. would we have done, would we have recorded this in one of the chambers? Oh, we would have done, yeah. we, you know what, we probably would have staged that for you as well. So you know what, that'll be another podcast. Yeah. Maybe we'll do a walk around with you and we'll talk maybe with some of our partners and see if they want to share some of their experiences as well. So let's leave that to, let's leave that as a teaser. Part yes. three. Part three. <laughs> there we go. That's because I got to tell you that soundproof chamber I saw. 
yeah. my, the audio engineer in me was like, Ooh, that looks nice. <laughs> I can crank up the gain on my microphones and it'll be perfectly fine. Oh, wow. So yeah. Thank you so much. And uh, I, I can't wait until our next conversation. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much.